Welcome to Season 5 of Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven. I'm your host, Catherine McPhail. I am an architect practicing in Massachusetts. My passion is old houses, new technologies, and sustainability. Previous seasons of this podcast have featured many vendors, subcontractors, architects, designers, covering many aspects of renovations and hiring professionals to help. In this season, I'll be focusing on collecting even more renovation stories because we can all learn from each other and I just can't resist talking to people about their houses. We're calling this episode From Massage Parlor to Masterpiece, a roller coaster ride of a historic home renovation in Old Town Orange. My guest is Hugh Seiler, who was with us in episode 79, where we discussed how to find, buy, and restore your first historic home. Hugh has been gaining recognition with his restoration of old homes in the historic district of Old Town Orange in California. Hugh and his team create restorations with an undeniable cool factor, and he rents them out to historic home-loving tenants. Recently, his project, the 1905 J.W. Wilson House, was awarded the Sweet Sweet Orange Award, the City of Orange's top honor for restoration excellence. So it's this project that we discussed today, plus Hugh's plans for an infill accessory dwelling unit that he's working on. My question is, the J.W. Wilson House, was it really a massage parlor? Unfortunately, we didn't get into that exactly, but you will learn about his challenges. He likes to say he's made just about every mistake in the book, so you don't have to. Here's my conversation with you. Thanks for joining me, Hugh. Thank you for having me. You had Ted's Garage last time I spoke with you, and you've done many, many projects. But today, what are you going to be telling me about? We're going to talk about uh, the house that I restored prior to Ted's uh, Garage, which is this was the fifth of five homes on the block of homes that we restored in Old Town Orange. Old Town Orange is about five miles from Disneyland um, here in Southern California. So this was the fifth of five. Fifth of five. Okay. Tell me about it. What do you call it? So the house, the house um, was literally, it was a tough one for me to get my head around restoring it because it was in such dismal condition. And it, it being the fifth of the, of the one on the block, quite frankly, I was completely burned out financially trying to figure out how to pay for it and looking at this place, which I intentionally kept it vacant for two years. I didn't want anybody living in it because it was in such disrepair. So after a long time of saying, I really don't want to do this, I had to do it just for the integrity of the rest of the block. So the house is a four bedroom, two bath. It's a corner house built in 1905. It's considered a hipped roof, one and a half story, California Cottage is the architectural style. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's uh, It was built by a gentleman by the name of John Wilson. It's called the J.W. Wilson House. Um, and, and in 1905, he built this. And then he also built two of the cottages, which are behind it, that we previously restored. One of the cottages was built in 1910. We restored it in 2016. He had another cottage that he built in 1914 for $800. We restored that one in uh, 2017. 2018, we restored the two houses next door to his two cottages. And then we jumped onto this one as the last one. Mm. Okay. So you did you have, you must have had some challenges with this thing if it was in such dismal shape. Yeah, we had quite a few challenges. Um, I mean, literally from the outside, the paint had, I don't know how many coats of paint. We're talking about 115, 17 years worth of paint crazing and just, you know, siding falling off. Nothing that's like all that different from a lot of home restorations, but 
when you've done the four next to it and your pocketbook says, oh my gosh, here we go with the biggest one, final one on the block. I was, it was tough to get my, my, my arms around. Inside was pretty wrecked. Um, the, the kitchen literally didn't have any running water in the kitchen. I mean, kitchen had no kitchen counters. Um, it was just, it, it, it worked. It just didn't work very well. And it certainly wouldn't work for the 21st century. Mm. So, you know, it was time for a reboot and a do over. So it never had any running water or just when you, when you got there? It didn't have running water in the kitchen. You had to go out to a mudroom, which was, you know, it wasn't like it was that inconvenient. But at the end of the day, I think most people expect to have running water in their kitchen and kitchen cabinets in their kitchen. Most people do, I find. (laughs) Most people are funny that way. (laughs) Right. So what did you end up doing for siding on that? Did you take it off? So we ended up uh, restoring virtually every piece of it. Um, and it was kind of ironic because we, we used a product called, um, it's actually a tool and it's a scraping tool called the paint shaver. It's a pretty expensive tool. We ended up spending me and a crew of three guys. So a total of four of us spent about four and a half months scraping every inch of, and primarily lead based paint. Mm. The beauty of this particular tool is that it is EPA certified, OSHA certified, et cetera. And when the paint scrapes, it goes right into a HEPA filter into your vacuum. And then you bag it up, you send it away, and everything is isolated and contained. That sounds great. That's the good news. The bad news is is it's just a hellacious process, two-story building, taking virtually every stitch of paint off to reveal what was ultimately this magnificent redwood building. Hmm. So, you know, once we got it all, all tore apart and all taken back, it was like, wow, this is really, really a fantastic building. Now we need to go back and fix all of the bad wood, all the wood rot, um, and then go back and start building it up with primer, coats of primer, sand the primer, another coat of primer, coat of paint, sand the paint. And so ultimately, you know, after six months of four of us working on it, um, and everybody in the neighborhood saying, like, what is this guy doing? He took it all the way back to bare wood. You know, I wonder if he'll do it. He'll do that for my house. <laughs> I mean, I had so many neighbors. Out. I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to do it for this house. <laughs> yeah. I... So and then and then ultimately we applied all of the all the paint, the, redid all the trim work and literally it, it came out beautifully. I bet. So what's what colors did you I'm just curious to know what colors you uncovered on on your in your process taking it off well and and because this house has been a rental much like the rest of the block has been for the largely the past 70 years the previous owners chose to do everything in white oh so it had just you know there was no character at all it was just white on top of white on top of white and then when you finally got it back down to it i believe there was a coat of yellow oh, okay and it was just a, a real din- uh, a dingy yellow color yeah well that's i mean white is white i suppose but it's not it's not the gobstopper I was hoping for that you had you know, a bunch of different <laughs> no. colors going through. <laughs> right. Right. Well, okay. What about the what about the kitchen? What ended up happening there? Is, is that the one that you got the metal cabinets? So so the kitchen, um, I think one of my friends said it best. He walked in and looked at looked at the kitchen and he literally said, you know, this place looks like a bunch of Vikings came here and just pillaged this place. Mm-hmm. It was awful. It literally looked like I can't even describe everything, how bad it was. But anyway, um, once we got things pulled apart, I found um, somebody in Pasadena, which is obviously another Pasadena, California is known for its historic 
uh, architecture and, and a number of significant homes, including the Gamble House. But I found somebody that was gutting their kitchen and taking out some 1940s, 1950s metal cabinets. I love those. I love them too. And, and I wanted a real kind of industrial feel and vibe um, to the house. And so found those on eBay, found enough of them to not only do the kitchen, do the uppers, do the lowers, to outfit the mud room as well with counters, as well as upper cabinets. And then we also used them in the bathroom as well. So we literally, for $1,000, I got all of my cabinets, and then we took and stripped all of those down, repainted them, and installed them. So how did you, how did you work that out? If you got the cabinets, did you then design the kitchen around what you had for cabinets? Totally. And you didn't have to exactly add any correct. new ones or anything? No, it came down to a lot of cutting, mm. which, you know, the beauty of, of the metal old cabinets is it's kind of like an erector set in terms of everything is kind of bolted together in pieces mm. and in different sizes and configurations. So what we did is we, just as you alluded to, we, we figured out what sizes we had, and then we designed the kitchen around what we had and what we salvaged. And then what worked, um, worked well. And when it didn't work well, we got out the grinder and cut it. So it did work really well. So <laughs> literally work. all of the countertops are salvaged. All of the upper cabinets are salvaged. The lowers, the Lazy Susan, virtually everything is uh, salvaged off eBay for a thousand dollar bill for all of the cabinets. Wow, that is amazing. It turned out great. It's it's uh, I've always wanted to do the metal cabinets. Never thought I would. And then this deal just kind of like fell into my lap. So nice. It's, it, it, it was meant to be. When, in your experience for a kitchen like that, how much would new cabinets cost? Just to compare. Two. Uh, I don't think you could get them built, painted and installed for under 20 grand. Yeah. Cabinets are really expensive. I mean, that's obvious, right? But Custom cabinetry is, you know, it, it makes or breaks the house. One of the things that I also, why I didn't want to do that, well, two reasons. One is that from a cash flow perspective, there was no money. I mean, I had to be really creative on this particular kitchen mm. restoration. Secondly, this house is zoned commercial and residential. And when I was figuring out whether to keep, sell, keep, restore, sell, restore, um, one of the thoughts was, well, if I put all of this money into kitchen cabinetry, custom kitchen cabinetry, and then I decide to put this house on the market, first thing that's going to get gutted is all that custom cabinetry because somebody's going to turn it into their law offices or their CPA accounting firm. So that was another reason why it just, if I had to do it over again, would I want to do the custom wooden cabinets? Yeah, I would. If I had the budget, of course. Mm. Life doesn't always work out that way. So we improvised and, and, it, and it turned out really cool instead. I don't know. I, I love that idea, though, of reusing those cabinets, because if someone else did buy the house and they wanted different cabinets, then nobody wasted the money on the cabinets. Even if you did the other custom cabinets, people might feel like they need to keep those. I don't like that. I don't want to buy the house. I don't know. I feel like the kitchen right. cabinets are a pretty personal thing. Yep. That was a great that was a great move. Did you have any other major money saving moves you'd like to share? Um, major money saving, um, other than doing it myself, doing a large portion of the work with this uh, crew of literally the three guys who started with me are the three gentlemen who finished with me, been with me over 20 years. Um, so we didn't really, we didn't, you know, we knew going in, this is what we had to do. But the fact that we all made it to the finish line um, unscathed, nobody killed each <laughs> other. And after three plus years of working literally side by side, 60 hours a week, um, that was just a really cool feeling knowing what we started with on that block, we finished with, and it truly became like just an exemplary block here in uh, Southern California. Yeah, no, that's great. 
you mentioned that there was some kind of ornate plaster happening in the house. When you walked into the house in the living room and in the dining room, there was this is this really cool filigree up in each of the four corners of the house. And it's a hand applied filigree that was literally falling off. Everything around it, above it and below it was completely falling off the walls. And we all looked at it and it was kind of two people, myself and my carpenter said, yeah, I think we could save it. And the other two guys on the crew said, no way, get rid of it. And so I said, there's no way we're getting rid of this. I don't care how long it takes us. I don't care what we need to do. We're saving that filigree. So I did a lot of research, um, and there's a product called Wally's Plaster Magic. Oh, I like the name of that. I don't even care what it does. <laughs> and that's exactly why I thought if he's going to name it Wally's Plaster Magic, it's probably a pretty good product. So I contacted him, talked him through in terms of what I was trying to accomplish, and literally it, it worked perfectly. And the magic or the, the secret sauce to Wally's Plaster Magic is he has these large plastic grommets that you, and a syringe, and you shoot this glue-like substance into, into the void, into the crack, into the hole, and then you take and screw in the plastic grommet into the existing uh, plaster, and then it holds it and bonds it up to the ceiling. Mm. And literally, it, it, we had probably 120 of those little grommet little discs screwed into the ceiling, and give it a couple of days, you come back, you loosen those up, and literally voila oh. it's it's now attached to the, the the glue that he uses along with the technique literally attaches right back into the lath wow. so you're shooting the glue into the lath and literally we saved it and then we just started from that point down and we retextured the walls and it came out it's not perfect but i would say it's mm. certainly an a minus that's awesome so you take off the grommets the second day after it's already held it up so it's holding it in place while it dries essentially Correct. I love that. Precisely. I love that. So that worked out really good. Um, it was a little non-conventional because I think a lot of people, and keep in mind, my finished product is offered to tenants. Yeah. I'm not a flipper. I don't, you know, I don't buy these and, and do a quick job and, and get out from underneath them. You know, the goal here is to restore everything as closely to possible as what it was in 1905. We accomplished that. That's the good news. The question is, is that whenever we're doing this, is is the tenant going to appreciate it? Mm -hmm. You know, because that's really is the return on investment is not just like saving the history, but does the tenant care? Mm -hmm. And every time we've only had two vacancies with this unit in the in the four years, it's been three and a half years it's been done, but they each time tenants walk in and go, oh my God, look at those ceilings. Ah. And every time I hear that, I say, okay, yeah, that right. was the right If they decision. don't say that, I bet they don't even get to fill out an application. That would be right, exactly. I'd go with that one. Yep. 1905, what was going on in that area at the time? Was it already pretty well settled? So the, the town was started in 1888. And so literally 1905, um, the town had a major hotel literally across the street from this particular building. Unfortunately, that structure caught on fire in the 50s or 60s. Um, and so what you had was a lot of fairly wealthy people, such as apparently Mr. Wilson, who on corner lots were building their larger homes. Um, traditionally out here, and it's probably the same um, in most places where there's a historic district, but the corner houses are usually more stately, usually bigger, usually more, there's more architectural design and more elements to them as opposed to the infill houses. So on the two corner houses that we restored, including this one, 
It's definitely uh, one of the bigger houses um, in Old Town. Two-story, four bedrooms, two baths, which is even more ironic that he built a four-bedroom, two-bath when he had no kids and it was just him and his wife. Yeah. So I guess he was just doing it to, to spend the money to, to show, you know, he was a successful business person. Right. And was he? Um, he was until he finished building his three houses, um, the two cottages and then this house. And I had a biographer, the city's biographer, did the biography on this house. So it was a foggy night in 1927, and Mr. Wilson was walking down the street. And um, whether he was um, had been nipping at the bottle or whether it was just a bad decision, but he stepped into the road, got hit by a car, and was paralyzed. And two or three days later, um, while in the hospital, he ended up succumbing to it. So his wife literally lived in the house until like the 1940s. So she was the only person in the four bedroom with her two cottages behind it. And then literally from like the 1950s onward, it was just a rental that pretty much was trashed and tired. And uh, and that's when I picked it up and started on it and uh, started on the block in 2016. And you bought the whole block at one time? I bought the whole block from a family, it was a it was a trust on the uh, on the block, and they literally had not. There was a disclaimer in the purchase uh, documents which said, "We don't know anything about this block of homes. We haven't visited it in years. You are buying this as is. Where is? Good luck." Okay. I'm like, okay, that's fair enough. Good luck. <laughs> At least they said good luck. Fair enough. So interesting. So did they own a lot of the town, or is it? Do you know how they ended up with this block of homes? I'm always curious to know how this happens so the block was literally two parcels so it was the the house and the two cottages that we are talking about now mm -hmm. and then next door there were there's a duplex and so over time at some point during the 50s when mr wilson's wife sold the house then she sold it to the folks next door which essentially meant that they owned the five houses on the block they just rented it out they never they didn't they just live rented there. it out huh. yeah they literally just cash checks for you know Cash checks until I bought it. So for 65 years, the family owned the block. And then uh, uh, there was a death in the family. And then the trust took over. The trust decided to sell the assets. And that's where I came along. Hmm. Sounds like they didn't, they weren't necessarily the most um, hands on landlords. Not hands on. And sometimes I wish I was more like them, but only for about five seconds. <laughs> um, but no, they, I mean, they, they just, they literally just, you know, kept it on life support. And when um, it was time to pull the plug, you know, they, they, these were in shambles. I mean, these were in really, really bad condition. Yeah. Well, it's great that you saved them. Are you all done with all of the rest? Or that was a fifth of the five. And then there was Ted's garage, right? So you're all done? Yes. And then I'm building a sixth on the block. So um, what's happened in California is basically uh, laws have changed to allow, even in historic districts, people such as myself to build accessory dwelling units, yeah. which are tiny cottages. So I've literally spent the past year, if working is the right word, I think battling is probably a better word with the city and the Preservation Association. Um, I was the first person to build an ADU in Old Town. Mm. Um, they weren't too keen about that. I'm now going to be building another one. And so that will be literally, it will look like 1910. It will be a cottage right next to the other five units on this block, sandwiched right in the middle of the block, where over at some point in time, a garage was torn down or a garage caught on fire. 
and we're going to put this little cottage, which is literally going to look like 1910, was dropped into 2023, right in the middle of the block. So hmm. I'm at the point right now, in fact, I was notified this morning that my plans were approved for that, which is great. However, they weren't approved for what I want to build. Oh. So, <laughs> Well, close, I guess. Close, but no cigar. So we're close. now what, now do you go back and, and try to appeal that decision or? It's a good question. I'm pretty... Uh, I'm uh, pretty disappointed right now. So, you know, it's either going to turn into, you know, an appeal with attorneys getting rich. I really don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'm sitting back and looking at it going, it's a pretty subjective call. I don't like the way the call was made, obviously. So we'll, we'll see. Mm. Worst case is, is we build what what is what I call a, a B minus product. And I would like to build an A plus product. And so we need to close that gap and we need to get there um and build something that's really cool historically correct and uh, the city will be proud of it well you're doing great work Hugh. so don't give up i know you I won't, won't give up <laughs> trust me I know you won't. <laughs> well that's awesome and i i'm looking forward to seeing the some of the image that you're gonna send over which i'll put on instagram absolutely. if that's okay absolutely so how do people find more information out about you and your work uh, more importantly is just finding out about the, the properties. Right. Um, I, I don't, I don't work for, I, I literally just do this as, as a fun little hobby. I'm retired. And so like I get asked all the time, Hey, would you build an ADU for us? Can we hire you to do this? I, I really am flattered, but I, I'm pretty busy doing what I like to do, which is just kind of tinkering on my own stuff. So essentially all of the homes are listed on Instagram under the handle historic home row. Um, also on uh, Facebook, so they can find um, find us certainly there, and they'll see all sorts of neat pictures. If somebody does happen to be looking for a home, one of the things that I found is that literally social media is like the app killer. I mean, it's unbelievable. The minute I post something on Instagram that we have a vacancy coming up, literally within minutes, maybe a couple of hours, I have 10 people lined up and when I get a vacancy, I tell people we're going to have an open house the very next Saturday. I post it on Instagram and Facebook, and we have 25 people that show up mm. literally wanting the units. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing because there are still a lot of people mm -hmm. that want details, and it's even more satisfying for somebody like me because it's like they can definitely find something cheaper. There's no doubt. And I tell people, if you're looking for a roof over your head, and just, uh, you know, just housing, we're not a good fit. If you're looking for something really cool, detail-oriented, honestly, without sounding like it's boastful, you're not gonna find anything cooler. <laughs> I mean, it, certainly not in Orange County, California. Um, we take great pride into completely restoring these homes, despite the roadblocks that the city likes to throw at us <laughs> and the Preservation Association. Um, there's literally not I tell people, if you can find somebody stupid enough to do what I do, <laughs> I would like to shake his hand. <laughs> maybe make some new friends out there, Hugh. Well, thank you. Look. Thank you for coming on again. And I, I look forward to maybe having you back next year, see what you've been up to. Sounds good. Thanks, Catherine. All right. Thank you for listening. And thank you so much for sharing this show with your friends. It is growing all the time. And I really appreciate that. I would love to hear from you if you have anything to say about this episode or past episodes, good or bad or a suggestion for a new episode, send me an email at thehousemaven at talkinghomerenovations.com. Talking Home Renovations with The House Maven is a proud member of Gable Media, the most engaged AEC network on the planet.
check out my other show and all the rest of the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A.com. And until next time, take it easy.